If you want to get your Bibles out and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7, that's where we're going to be studying from uh, this morning. We're going to be uh, looking at different passages to start off the new year uh, that really, I hope, encourage us and help us to focus on our mission. Uh, God has given us a mission while we're here. Uh, last year, we talked about becoming and being the body of Christ and not just going to church, but now I want us to focus in on the mission that God has given the body of Christ in on the earth. Uh, and that's going to be our focus throughout this year. We're going to be really focusing in on uh, why, why God created us and saved us, uh, why we are here assembling together and why we are uh, supposed to go out into the world and proclaim the good news to people everywhere. Uh, and, and really, I hope to understand the why, but I also hope to understand the how, uh, and I hope to uh, you know, enjoy these studies together. We're going to be looking at books like First Peter, we're going to be looking at books like Philippians, uh, and, and other books that really relate to these ideas. Uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that, but uh, like I did last year, we're going to start off with a few more topical kind of lessons. Uh, and the first lesson is going to be coming from First Samuel, and looking at Samuel himself. Uh, as I have children, uh, and they like to watch TV on occasion, um, the favorite show of my sweet little Phoebe is Peep Patrol. Uh, that's what she calls it, Paw Patrol. Uh, and if you've got children, or if you've got grandchildren, or if you've been around children, you've probably heard uh, Paw Patrol and the things that are often said and the phrases that are commonly used throughout uh, the, the show. I know them by heart. I can tell whenever they're coming in the show because they always happen at the exact same times every time. Uh, and so I know whenever everything's going to happen. Uh, but one of the things that's repeated is, no job is too big, no pup is too small. And that's an interesting one, right? Uh, there's others. Uh, you know, the Paw Patrol's always on a roll. Chase is on a case. Rubble's on the double. And green means go. And we know all these things. If you watch the show, you've heard a lot of those same kinds of phrases, right? Uh, but no job is too big, no pup is too small is, is an interesting phrase, isn't it? It's an interesting idea that's, that's given to the children in that show uh, that basically says it doesn't matter how big the job is, we've got to get it done, and we're going to get it done. And it doesn't matter how small we are, we've got to get it done, and we're going to get it done. Uh, and that... That commitment and that mission statement, I wish we had something like that. You know, no, no job is too big, no Christians too I don't know what it would be. Uh, but, you know, the truth is, in the world we live in, um, we could come up with all kinds of reasons not to do the things that it is that God has called us to do. Uh, you know, and, and we, could, we should be saying things and having the attitude that they portray in that. Uh, no world is too dark. No soul is too lost. No Christian is too weak. And we should have phrases like that, ideas like that, that are rattling around in our minds, in our brains, to help us remember that we can do anything that we set our mind to. That the mission that God has given to us is possible. It's possible. And, and we can't let Satan tell us any, anything different. And we need to have that constantly rattling around in our minds uh, that we're here to serve people and that we can do what God has given us the mission to do. 
And so to help us kind of think about it that way and understand those ideas, I want to go back into the Old Testament and look at a really important story uh, that we find in the Old Testament, one of the more fascinating stories. And we're not just going to hang out in one verse and look at a particular event and a particular story, but we're going to just kind of do a review of the life of Samuel. We're going to kind of start in the middle, in the thick of it, of what, why he's so great, and then we're going to understand what led to him being so great, what, what started him off, and then we're going to talk about the after effects of his greatness. And so I, I hope that uh, we can all study this together. If you know anything about the time that Samuel grew up in, you know it was a very dark time. Okay? Samuel didn't grow up in the best of times. It wasn't as though all Israel was serving God faithfully and everybody was worshiping God and everybody was teaching the truth and believing the truth. It was a dark time. The time that Samuel grew up, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's not good because everyone's not supposed to do what's right in their own eyes. Everyone's supposed to do what's right in God's eyes. And so the fact that he was able to be who he was is an amazing statement given the environment that he grew up in. And his mother had a lot to do with that. And we'll talk about her in just a moment. His mother, Hannah, uh, played a big role in that. But Samuel decided in himself to become devoted to God early on. He was brought up in the temple with Eli, the priest, uh, taking care of him. And he was serving the temple all the time. And, and God called to him and he thought it was Eli, and he ran to him three times saying, hey, here I am. And, and Eli finally understood and said, uh, you know, talk to God. God is talking to you, that you need to respond to, to God. And so he did. He said, I'm, I'm here, Lord. You know, tell your servant what, what to do. And God told him what to do, and he did it. He listened to God, and he followed God. And he decided to be devoted to God himself. And so as he grew up, in a temple, in a world that was dark with not a lot of really great leadership to guide him on the way that he should go, it's an amazing story that he was able to rise so high, to be so devoted to God, and to set a, such a wonderful example for everyone. You go to First uh, Samuel chapter 7, you'll see the text that we're, we're going to study a little bit from in verse 3. Uh, and this is a time when, uh, at this point, Israel has decided to uh, you know, take the ark with them on all these battles. The ark got captured, and then it got brought back, and, and Eli and his sons are dead, and everybody's just kind of looking for somebody to lead them, and Samuel rises up. So verse 3 says, Samuel said to all, all the house of Israel, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines, the big enemy of the Israelites, the Philistines. So the people of Israel put away the Baals and the Ashtaroth and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on the day and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. 
Now when the, the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a nursing lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. And Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered. And Samuel, as Samuel was offering the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty sound that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were defeated before, the, before Israel. And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah, and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Car. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued and did not enter again into the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. So Samuel rises up and becomes this wonderful judge. But notice the words that he says to Israel before this great event of saving Israel. He says, if you're returning to the Lord with all your heart, put away all the foreign gods and direct your heart to the Lord and, and then he'll deliver you. Notice he, he's praying for Israel and he's desiring Israel to return to God with all their heart. And they say they will, and they even confess, we have sinned. And he says, God is going to be with you. And they say, okay, the Philistines are coming up against us. Oh, no. And he said, they say, cry out. And he says, okay. And he prays to God, and God answers them. Samuel was a great judge. That's what he was, the last of the judges. A great prophet, a great man, because he understood the heart of the matter, that the people's hearts had strayed from God, that they had loved this world, and they had decided to do whatever was right in their own eyes instead of seeking to do the will of God. And so he just let them know, point blank, and they listened to him. And so why is that important for us? What does Samuel's role mean to us? Well, Obviously, we can relate. Hopefully, you, you see the relation. I mean, we live in a pretty dark world right now. Uh, and it can feel like there's no way, you know, that all these people are just following after their hearts. They're doing whatever's right in their own eyes. They're following after all their idols. But Samuel teaches us some really valuable lessons. First of all, we see God is able to work in this time. You know, first thing you might think, well, it's a very dark time. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. God can't work with that. Who can work with that, right? There's no hope for those people. They're just gone. Satan's deceived them. Their heart is too hard. No, no heart is too hard. <laughs> God's work doesn't depend on favorable conditions. The Israelites have been beaten by the Philistines time and time again. They are just constantly in this endless cycle of wickedness. But Samuel says, if you'll turn, God will listen. If you'll have willing hearts, 
then God will be with you. And the people listened. You know, Samuel could have just beat himself up and beat up you know, all the people and said, you guys are always hard-hearted, always hard-headed. You never listen. Moses kind of said that a few times. Other leaders have said that. But he doesn't do that. He's not sitting there lamenting the darkness. But instead, he's just going to preach the truth. Going to carry the light and say, if you're willing, God will listen. If you're willing, God will care. God loves you. God wants to hear you. God wants to save you. God wants to provide for you. He just carries that light. And the people actually listen. And the people actually seem to submit. And the people actually confess their sins. And we see in this, it's not about our ability, but it's about God's availability. That God is able to save if the people are willing. Not if Samuel says the right things. Not if Samuel does it in the right way or anything like that. But because God's willing. All Samuel had to do was hold the light and just say, you need to turn your hearts to God. You need to love God more than you love this world. And that's all it took for God to be able to work in the minds and the hearts of the people and turn them away from their idols. I think a lot of times in our lives, we think that evangelism and reaching the world around us is complicated and it's difficult. And we failed and we failed and we failed and, and we don't believe it's even possible, right? Well, here in Samuel, what we see is that God can use our devotion to bring about a change. He can do it. In a very dark world where everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes, he can use the simple truth of someone going out and saying, you need to turn your hearts to God to bring about a change. I've talked to people before, and, and you know, they, if I would have asked them, uh, you know, are you a Christian? They would have said yes, but instead I asked them, do you love God? And I, I pointed to the heart, and they confessed they didn't really show their love for God very well. Because it's one thing to say you're a Christian, everybody says you're a Christian, but to say you love God and to be honest about it, whenever everything in your life shows you're living for this world, is difficult. And so what Samuel did is he got right to the heart of the matter. He said, you must be devoted to God. You must love God and you must stop loving this world. And God was able to prick their hearts enough to cause them to turn away from all their idols and to turn toward him. And he was able to use the devotion of Samuel, a man who did love God more than he loved this world, who did not worship the idols. He was able to use him to bring about a transformation of his society. Mission possible. It's possible. It's possible. One man who's devoted to God, living in a very immoral and evil time, brought about a huge transformation in the people. Well, where did he get that devotion from? He just get it from thin air. No, I mentioned earlier, he got it from his mother. You go back to chapter 1 and 2, and you learn about Hannah and how Hannah prays to God for a son as, as she's been barren for so long. And, and she turns to him thinking it's impossible for her to have a son. She turns to him, and after years of barrenness, she prays and she vows. And she says, if you'll give this son to me, I will give him to you, and he will be yours. And that is Samuel. 
Samuel is the gift that God gave Hannah that she turned around and gave right back to God. It's a wonderful showing of faith, a wonderful showing of surrender. And her surrender to God was infused in Samuel. Even though she only had him until he was weaned before he went off to the temple, she some way, somehow infused in that little boy a complete surrender to God. And she would come back to the temple year after year and see him and visit him and bring him a new tunic and all these kinds of things. But she showed her surrender to God, her devotion to God only, and it rubbed off on Samuel. That's how Samuel got to where he was. I find that very fascinating. And so in that, in that part of the story as we're looking at Samuel, we see Samuel didn't figure this out on his own, but his own mother was able to infuse that in him. And his mother grew up in the same kind of time, a world filled with darkness and evil. She decided to surrender to God and put her trust in God and to infuse that into her son and look where he went and look what he became. That's a pretty amazing part of the story. That's why I love Samuel. There's so much to it. There's this picture of where he came from and then this picture of this huge accomplishment when he turns the whole nation to God. And, and as, we, as we think about where he came from, we think about the surrender of his mother and the surrender that, that eventually was Samuel's, we learn from that, hopefully, right? We have to surrender. We have to surrender to God. You know, this thing that she wanted so bad, a son, she gave it to God. She said, this is yours, God. Whatever you give me is yours. And that built the foundation for faith in her children. And we need to do that as well in our children. If we devote ourselves to God, we are going to leave our children with an example that they can follow. And they can be devoted to God as well. And that's a very important part of our mission. Evangelism is not just out there, but also those little ones who are growing up around us. And they need that kind of example that we see in Hannah of total devotion and total surrender to God in order to become what they ought to be. But what's also interesting is as you go backward in Samuel's life, you can also go forward in Samuel's life from 1 Samuel chapter 7, and you can learn about his legacy after he uh, grew older. Samuel was the one who established the first king, the anointed Saul, and that was kind of a failure, right? I mean, Saul was not a good king, and Samuel was right there with him the whole time and telling him what to do from God and, and trying to help him, and Saul was just a horrible failure. But Samuel also anointed and influenced David. I don't think there really would have been a David if there wasn't a Samuel. I think Samuel had enough influence on the society to bring about an environment that, where David could be possible. And so after failing with Saul, he brought David in who became this breath of fresh air for the whole nation. A king like no other king. A king who, whose heart was after God's own heart. Was devoted to God, submissive to God. And so Samuel's faith and obedience really helped to usher in David's kingship. And the complete transformation of the nation. Not just to on that one day in Mizpah say, we will follow God with our hearts and put away the idols, but that they would become a nation that is known for their love for their God, who, that is able to accomplish the destruction and, and the, the, the defeat of all the surrounding nations and become the most powerful nation on the earth, and they give all the credit to God. 
Well, that didn't happen uh, in the dark days. That happened after the influence of Samuel. That happened after the influence of David, who learned a lot from Samuel. So in that, we see that even though what God did with Samuel was big, it's amazing, he was able to turn the hearts of the people to God, God had even bigger plans for, for the legacy of Samuel. The things that happened after his life, as a result of all the influence and all the impact that he made while he was living, there would be an even bigger influence, an even bigger impact after he was gone. That God had something in mind through Samuel's predecessor, David, that would, be the, that would make them the greatest nation on the earth and shine a light for all the nations to see God's glory. So as we think about ourselves, again, we think about, hopefully, how we're trying to shine a light in a very dark world around us. We're trying to influence our children and bring them up to have faith and to have devotion. We're trying to show and, and, and exemplify surrender and devotion. We need to see the bigger picture. I don't know about you, but sometimes this is hard for me. Kind of get wrapped up in the here and now. Oh, we're just, you know, we're not, we're not exploding yet. All these pews aren't filled and all this kind of things. And the world's still dark and all these bad things, blah, blah, blah. But there's a bigger picture in mind. And we see that what happened in Israel took generations. And it all just started with Hannah and her surrender. But God was able with that little bitty seed to create a huge kingdom of faithful people that would span generations and generations and generations. The influence of David became uh, you know, powerful and the good kings that we see later on, they followed after the ways of David. And so we see that there's a bigger picture and eventually the Christ who followed that picture of David, who was, David was a type of the Christ. And so everything just starts so small and then God is able to work through his people to make it something amazing. And that's what I really want to get out of this, this whole story of Samuel is understanding how things can change and transform and become what, what seems impossible. I mean, I imagine Hannah in her time can't even imagine the, the kingdom of David, the kingdom of Solomon. I mean, that's, that's not even a possibility in her mind, but with God, all things are possible. He's able to use her faith instilled in Samuel to bring about the influence of the nation to bring about the creation of a great kingdom and to eventually bring about the Messiah. And that was all from one person's faith. So let's understand how this all applies to us. We all have a mission placed in, for, in front of us. We have a dark world around us and we're called to be like Samuel and to shine a light. Why do we struggle with this? Why is it hard for us to go out into the world and to tell people you should really love God more than you love this world? You should really love God more than you love your job. You should love God more than you love your cars. You should love God more than you love your money, more than you love your friends or your family. 
more than you love, whatever hobby, whatever passion, whatever sin you're involved in, you should really love God. Why do we struggle to tell people that, to share that with the world around us? Why do we struggle to encourage them to come and to see what Jesus has to offer them in the spiritual life that he, and the blessings that he wants to give us? Well, are we afraid? The world around us is really dark. People around us are doing things as they believe they should. They're following after their own ways and their own will and their own desires. Are we afraid to go into that darkness and let the light be seen? Samuel wasn't afraid. He could sense that those people around him were lost. He could sense that if they didn't do something pretty soon, then they would miss out on the salvation that God was offering to them from their enemy. And he loved them and he had compassion on them enough to go into that dark world and to let them know where they should go and what they should do. Sometimes we're afraid of suffering, we're afraid of trials, we're afraid of failure, we're afraid of humiliation. All those things were experienced by a lot of people throughout the Bible, Hannah being one of them. She had suffering and trials, and she was made fun of. She was mocked. Even whenever she's praying to God and devoting herself to God, Eli comes out and says, why are you drunk? How long will you go on being drunk? I mean, she was openly surrendering to God and didn't care who saw it, right? I mean, she was just so focused on her devotion to God that, She was willing to endure all that. And so even though we're afraid of all that, what we need to understand is if we'll go through that fire, God will be with us and God will help us to make progress in his mission. God will use our faith and trust in him to bring about a transformation of the society around us. Are you afraid of suffering? Are you afraid of darkness? Are you afraid of being unlike everybody else around you who is just conformed? We're called not to conform, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the renewing of our lives. We're supposed to be living sacrifices for God, Romans 12 tells us. That's who we're called to be, that's our mission. And so if we're afraid of all these things, we need to see in Samuel, we need to see in Hannah, we need to see in David that there's hope if we'll push through that fear and we'll commit ourselves and we'll surrender ourselves and we'll devote ourselves to the mission that God has given us to accomplish on this earth. This mission is possible. Well, how? We have to trust in And we have to reach out to God. Notice Samuel's praying to God. Hannah's praying to God. David devoted uh, so many psalms in prayer to God. We have to learn how to trust in and reach out to God. You're scared. You're afraid because the darkness is there. Because people around you might bring suffering. Might bring some kind of humiliation or something. Trust in God. Pray to God. Start with prayer. Embrace God. 
because he's stronger than us. Notice in the story of Samuel how they said, cry out again to God. And what happened was God brought thunder that completely threw them off and allowed the Israelites to come and defeat all the Philistines. Right? God is able to work in ways that we don't see or understand or know to bring about our success. And we don't even know, maybe in some instances, how he's working to accomplish this, but he does, he works. He promises to help us, to be with us, to work all things for our good. And so we have to embrace his strength, even though we're weak. His power is made perfect in our weakness. And we need to be different from the world around us. And we need to surrender the conformity that makes us comfortable We need to be willing to step out in faith and shine a light because the people around us need us. And not just the people around us, but the people who come after us. You know, I've heard this a few times on sermons. I don't know if I've really ever said it here, but you just consider the the effects, the long-reaching, far-reaching effects of converting one soul to Christ. You can impact their children. You can impact their grandchildren. You can impact everyone that they come into contact with if they're willing to step out in faith and teach them. I mean, just one one soul can cause this huge transformation of so many people. Your legacy is what you need to have in mind as you're talking to people. Your, your, your extended impact that God is able to have through your efforts needs to be in mind. And this is why we must persist, because if we just come to the church building and we sit in the pew and we leave and we go back to being conformed like the rest of the world and we're having no impact, then we're having no legacy. Then we're having no no far-reaching impact on the children's children's children. But if we'll talk to people, if we'll spread the seed, then we can have an impact that will trick Transform the world. Transform all of society. If everybody here was focused on telling somebody the gospel this year, just this year, what kind of impact would we make? One person all year. Every person here making that commitment. So we have to, we have to commit. We have to surrender, we have to devote ourselves, and we have to maintain focus on God's mission for us. It's not about us, it's about God, it's about His glory. And that's why we're gathered here together to encourage one another, to build one another up in this mission. And so that's what we're going to focus on, at least for the next few weeks, specifically, before we go into different uh, Bible books that really help us, encourage us, and motivate us to do these things. Is We're going to be thinking about the mission that God has given us, and how important that mission is, and, and how we should go about accomplishing that mission. Uh, I've got some other things planned for this year. Um, speaking with the men, we kind of decided we're going to plan out a couple things to try to help our spark our evangelistic efforts. And I hope that you will take these things seriously. I hope you've got somebody in mind right now that you're wanting to work with and encourage to love God more than they love this world. One person that you have in mind. There's going to be opportunities throughout this year to invite them to things where they can, they can see and know and understand a little bit more about God and maybe be drawn closer to him and maybe be convinced 
to confess their, their faults, and to put their trust in him. So I want you to be focused on that and be thinking about that throughout this year. That should really be our focus all the time, but really throughout the last few years we've just been trying to get a lot of housekeeping done, make sure everybody is on the same page, and now I think it's time for us to go out and reach the lost around us. I hope that this is encouraging to you. It's been encouraging to me to study the life of Samuel and to think about him. Uh, Let's have him in our mind throughout the week. Have Hannah in your mind throughout the week. Those of you who are watching Paw Patrol and all that, you know, be, be mindful of Hannah and how she is able to instill the faith that she had in her children. Let's be sure to evangelize to them. Uh, and, and, and pray for all our teachers in the back who are teaching them, uh, and, and hopefully we can glorify God in doing that. Uh, if you're here this morning and you've not yet obeyed the gospel, you've not yet received the grace that God has offered to you, that opportunity is always open. Now's a time when you can just come and, and do it. If you're, if you're holding yourself back and you know what you need to do, you need to make the commitment and you don't want to wait another second, you can come forward right now, and we will fill this with water, and we will get you baptized. be a little cold, be all right. Uh, but, but we'll get you baptized today, okay? If, if you decide that in the middle of the night, you can let me know, and we'll come together and, and take care of that. But if there's other things that you need to work out first, you can always come. You can always call me, and we can get together and study and talk about whatever it is that's confusing you, that's, that's holding you up, And hopefully we can work those things out so that you can feel assured in your relationship with God and you can understand the salvation that he has for you a little bit better. Uh, But if there's anything that anybody needs to do right now, we want to help you in any way we can. Please come as we stand and as we sing.